Six million years ago, when the Colorado River cut a channel through layers of rock, it formed what we now call the Grand Canyon. Located in Arizona, on display are layered bands of colorful rock that reveal geologic magic. For centuries, nature lovers from all over the world have come to hike the trails, to feel the vibe, and perhaps to learn something along the way. And on a fateful day last year, today's guest set out on a journey with his fiance Katie and her family. On what was otherwise an ordinary day to enjoy the hike, something terrible happened that turned tragedy into triumph and provided the greatest lesson anyone could have asked for about resilience, healing, and the power of love. As it turns out, this event that occurred on the Grand Canyon that day, it's one of the greatest love stories I've ever heard. And in some small way, I am overjoyed to play a part in it and to broadcast through our show the love and affection I feel for today's guest and to express how grateful I am that we came into each other's lives many years ago. Consequently, it is an honor to welcome a former student of mine that I am so proud to call my friend. His name is Tanner Force. This is his story of transformation. Tanner, welcome to A Climb to the Top. Chuck, I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You are quite welcome. Tanner, what I'm describing was best prompted by an email I received from a former classmate of yours that startled me into a moment that made me reflect on everything that you and I have ever done together over the many years and say a prayer to the heavens that all is okay. The logical start here is to bring us there. Tell us what you were doing when this was, what action you were involved in at the moment and what happened. It was March. So uh, we, we actually, we got engaged in New York about a week before we went out to the Grand Canyon. And we, we wanted to see our family um, who we, have, we haven't seen in, I mean, far too long. Uh, so we saw my, my immediate family for, for a first week. And then a few days after that, Katie's family came out to the Grand Canyon. It was one of the last days that we were at the Grand Canyon. Uh, it was we, we set out early in the morning. It was a beautiful day. The, I mean, there was no clouds and being in the Grand Canyon is, is spectacular. We headed to the, the Bright Angel Trail, which is a trail that cuts into the Grand Canyon. Knowing our limits, I mean, we, we didn't want to go far in. We went maybe a half a mile down, uh, down onto the trail. The trail is packed. There was, there was families, there's people of all different ages on the trail. On our way up, um, we, we were hiking in a line. The trail is, is, is small in a lot of places. I mean, between five to 10 feet wide. Uh, so there's not a lot of room to maneuver on the trail. As we hiked in a line on our way out of the Grand Canyon on this trail, we were maybe a quarter mile from the trailhead. So we were very close to the top. Out of seemingly nowhere, there, there was a, a crack that occurred, um, which was a branch breaking off that was hit by a rock that was falling off the, the, the cliff. That rock, which we can only assume the size was maybe a little bit larger than a, a, a grapefruit, came down and, and hit me in my head um, right above my left eye. It was completely unexpected. Um, there was 
the trail was packed. So for, for one person to get hit, I mean, it, it made sense that someone would have been hit during this. It, it immediately put me to the trail ground. Um, it knocked me unconscious for about 45 seconds um, in which my, my fiance heard the commotion. She was ahead of me. She turned around and, and, and came to, to see me facing away from her, which was hiding what, what occurred. Once she was over me, she, she realized the severity of the event. I came to um, about a minute after the event occurred, only for a brief moment of consciousness on the trail. I fully regained consciousness and started to realize what was happening later once I was in, in the hospital, laying in the bed. Hold on, let, let, let's sign. appreciate it, Tanner, but let's stop there. You did regain consciousness, but in order to get you to the hospital to assess what happened to you, there were a few people involved. Bring them into the story. The, the first person w w was Katie. Uh, Katie immediately came to my attention. Um, she, uh, out of the kindness of a stranger, they, they gave um, Katie one of their, their sweatshirts that they had. She applied that to my head. Also through some of the screens, uh, there was remarkably, there, there was two off-duty search and rescue individuals who were at the, the rim of the trail or the top of the canyon that heard it and, and came immediately down. It's, it's astonishing that they were even within a earshot distance, but they once they were there, they were able to stabilize me uh, provide information to some of the other individuals around me. They, they sent one of Katie's brothers up to the top of the trail with information to give to the park rangers to then provide more uh, support for me down on the trail. It was, it was surprising um, to have people that were equipped to deal with this level of scenario be within range. Th those were the immediate people that that, that came to my attention when I was on the trail. So just out of happenstance, fate, whatever that may be, people who are actually equipped, what we know as first responders, they did what? I take it because you said you woke up in the hospital. How did you get there? Even though if you don't remember it, now that you can recount the events, what did they do to prompt you to get you to, to care? They, they applied a lot of... I mean, immediately just trying to stop the blood loss. That, that was a big part. So they applied bandaging to my head um, and just kept me, kept me conscious. They were asking questions. Uh, it was slightly funny, but um, they asked me, oh, how are you doing, Tanner? And I, I don't remember this, but um, based on Katie's recount, uh, I would say, oh, I'm fine. Um, I have a little bit of a headache. And <laughs> <laughs> I could use some Tylenol. And, and I gather they did what first responders did. Did, they, did somebody bring a helicopter to you or were you carried somewhere that took you? I was, I was carried out in essentially a, a wheelbarrow. Um, it's a more of a medical device, but they put me in um, something to get me off the trail. They, they, pulled me essentially onto that wheelbarrow and took me to the top of the trail in which uh, a helicopter was already waiting for me 
to, to then take me to uh, the Flagstaff Hospital, which is the, the more local hospital to the area. So if nothing else, Tanner, the first action here is Katie responding to the good fortune of having two people who knew how to respond, what to do to bring the force of the helicopter that able to transport you to Flagstaff, Arizona in light of the injury. And you woke up when? I woke up once I was in the ICU. Uh, it was it was a weird feeling, and it, it it almost felt like a dream. As I was I was laying there, I was very confused. I, I didn't know where I was. I mean, just a minute ago in my reality, I was hiking in the Grand Canyon with with Katie and, and her two brothers, and then immediately after, it felt like I woke up in the hospital um, with my essentially a bandage completely over my left eye. I was unable to open my left eye. And so I only saw, I mean, really not much once, once I was in the hospital. The, the, the piece that I really started to realize what was happening, Chuck, was, was once the, the nurse mentioned that um, my, my family's calling and, and I, was, I was confused and wait, what, why are they not here? And I mean, they, <laughs> why am I not on hard. the trail? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it, it was it was a they they uh, put my family on a essentially a tablet um, in which they did a, a a video call with them. During that video call, I mean that that was the first feeling of of that I'm that it's going to be okay. Hearing their voices meant so so much to me when I was laying in the bed, confused, alone. That that was a, a really remarkable piece. The other side of it is on all video calls, you can see yourself in kind of a small box at the bottom of the call. Right. I, I did take notice to that. And I, I saw that my head was, you know, completely bandaged up. And that's when I started to come to, to the, the new reality that I'm facing and the injuries and the severity of, of these injuries that I'm now going through. Right. So you have a team at a hospital in Flagstaff, Arizona, that are trying to quickly assess, diagnose, and determine what is the repair. But your hospital stay did not stop there. What happened and where did you go? It didn't. The, the Flagstaff hospital wasn't equipped enough to, to perform the level of surgery that, that I needed. I was in Flagstaff in that hospital for maybe five hours as they perform some imaging and, and just general stabilization of my, my situation that I was in. From there, in really the same time that my, my family was arriving, um, they, they, I actually went on to another helicopter to transfer me to, to, Phoenix, or, uh, to Phoenix, Arizona. And were you and conscious it, then? Did you know you were on a helicopter heading somewhere else? That was a that was another time, and there's it, there's only a few blips, especially in this first 24 hours that I that I remember. That was another moment when they 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 pulled me off the bed and brought me onto a, a stretcher or a gurney essentially, and I remember them taking me to the top of the hospital. It was it was dark, it was cold, um, and I heard the helicopter. The helicopter was very loud. I remembered some of those feelings. I remember taking off in the helicopter and thinking in a weird way how cool it is 
to be conscious the, the first time that I've ever been in a helicopter. <laughs> hey, this is uh, great. I'm getting to, a ride to Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and when you arrived, and I want to quickly just get to the diagnosis and the repair, and then I really want to get to the, 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 the after story, which to me is the love story. Just in summary, then, Tanner, you were completely bandaged, facial damage, teeth, etc. Just explain in general, just some of the things that had to occur to accelerate the healing. Yeah, the, from a damage standpoint, I mean, I broke over 50 or fractured almost 50 different areas within my, my face and my skull. Um, my teeth were broken, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, in order to, to do the surgery, um, it, was, it was a long surgery. So they, they had a, a maxiofacial surgeon, someone that operates on your face, uh, who's actually surprisingly um, in the area. He, he doesn't always travel to this location, but he was there on that, on that day. Tanner, so everybody, that everybody that was meant to be there for you was there. Yeah, that's a, that's a really true, true statement, Chuck. And I mean, just thinking back, it, it brings me such warmth understanding that even though there is a, a tough situation that there is a lot of people there to help me. The, then the, then the surgeon, then he, he did the, the, at least the initial round of facial repairs to get you healing. Yeah. Yeah, he did. It was, it was a, a eight hour surgery in which he put a lot of my bones back in place. And um, they uh, put two different titanium bars in my face in order to, to hold some of the bones together and, um, but it was it was a, a point that also I mean begins to blur again. Where even a day after that, I, I was not too aware of what was happening. Um, at that point, uh, my, my family was there, and I was able to see them for the first time in person, and that that was a, another remarkable time. Yeah, and and the distance in time then between the original accident and when your family made it to Arizona was it only a couple of days? It, it was. It was about about a day. It was about a day. Uh, so okay. my immediate family went back to California, and when at the point when Katie's family arrived, so they had to they drove overnight to to Arizona. Um, a lot of times, they I mean I can only imagine how stressful that drive was, not really no, knowing imagine. what was happening. Yeah, just trying to send you good vibes. Then your community got wind of what you were going through. And I suspect that first surgery was the first of many procedures. But this yeah. is a story of healing. This is a story of love. So first, Tanner, thank you for recounting that event. When I have stayed, I stayed close to the story, trying to send good vibes to you. But I also recognize that in the midst of all of this, through all of the social media and all of the accounts that were being written, there was a lot of love and gratitude that was swirling in the airwaves between New York, California, Arizona, and everything in between. As you recount now, you reflect, it's been many, many months since this episode occurred. What did you learn in all of this that had nothing to do with surgical repair? I think the biggest learning point for me was, was the, the, the relationships that that I've developed over you know my, my entire life, all of these people coming together to to give me love, to give me support, it really helped me. I, I valued relationships a lot before too, 
but having this level of, of care and, and people sending me so many messages, people, some people that I haven't spoken to in, in years, reaching out to me, sending their love, recounting memories, that, that, that was a big piece of, of learning, of understanding that there's a lot of people in the world that, that, care, about, that care about each other and just how important those relationships are and, and what they can do to, to help you when you're in tough situations. Yeah. And uh, Tanner, you and I, to put in context for our listeners, you and I first met in a classroom of mine at Mercy College when you were a senior in high school. And uh, a year later, you came to become an undergraduate, and we had the good joy of being together for the next four years, where you were in and out of my classroom. I watched you evolve. I watched you gain a confidence and a conviction and ambition and I watched your writing skills improve and I watched your speaking skills improve and what a joy it was to watch this evolution when Tanner now is a financial analyst at IBM and I am immensely proud of that but I cannot put into words how I felt when I heard this story and I started communicating to you and Katie how grateful I was that you were on the path to healing and as you and I and Katie were communicating an incredible amount of information was being presented to me. But I think it was obvious from what you're describing, what you learned about the power of love, healing, and friendship. But here's the biggest part. What did you learn about yourself along the way, given the time that you had to heal and to think? There was a lot of times where I felt very alone, even with the amount of support that I had. I, I felt scared, really not knowing what the future held for me. Right. Going through some of those thoughts, being in the bed, um, and a lot of times during COVID, there, there could only be one visitor with me. Um, so some of those more stressful times were times that I reflected on what it takes to get through some of these more difficult times. And I don't claim to be a hero by any means, but the reaching out to people and having people reach out to you are, are things that I realize that are very important to me and, and these relationships and understanding that there are people that are going through tough times that may be not as explicit as the, the situation I was in, but could be going through their own battles. One thing that I learned for myself is reaching out to people and, and giving people love, even when they may not be expressing that they need it, is something that is very important to me now. And having that level of empathy for everybody's unique lives is, is something that I learned that I, I really want to, to hold true to myself and, and carry forward in, into my life. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I also want to put on display something in, in, that I think is a product of the modern world when an event occurs and people are concerned, how are you going to pay for this? What went on to the airwaves, I don't know if remember it was GoFundMe. I don't remember what those, can you explain what people, whether you needed the money or not, we're just so glad you're healing. Explain what people did as it related to their concern that what if Tanner can't pay for it? During the, the essentially, once I went into surgery, um, Katie decided to, to come up with a, a GoFundMe page, both to communicate the situation I was in, let family and friends know, and then also receive financial support for, for all the, the medical procedures and helicopter rides that I was going through. <laughs> right. and, um, that, 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 was, that was one moment um, when Katie was in the, the 
hospital room with me and she showed it to me for the first time and it it, it was unreal to see the amount of people giving their 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 whether it's a message or, or a financial contribution to me i remember reading through some of the comments that people would leave on the page and it, it, it absolutely brought me to tears. That was the first time that I, I saw the amount of love that was being given to me. I knew my family was, was there and, and sharing their love, their love with me, but to see a, a huge number of people reaching out and, and, and sharing thoughts, love, prayers with me, that, that was a moment that absolutely set me in place to realize that there are a lot of good people in this world and a lot of people that want to help and taking and just being, I guess, willing to accept that it is a, was a, it was difficult at first because I, you know, I, I didn't want to put anyone else in, in, but share my burden with anybody else. But the people that wanted to do that and, and give their love to me was was absolutely, I mean, it was, it was remarkable to see the amount of contribution from friends, family, colleagues. I mean, everybody really reached out to me. Well, I think even in the community, Tanner, what was so astonishing to me as I was reading all of the accounts, I was beginning first feeling your pain, but I think the love and, and, and the gratitude that we felt in reading all of these was now beginning to overcome the pain. And I suspect you became a function of healing. It, it was it was encouraging and and motivating to a, to a huge degree. Uh, I now had people that were were cheering me on um, to get through this, and, and that that helped get me through some of the more dark or difficult times that I was in. Just knowing that there are more people in my corner that that were that were there to help me get through this. Yeah. That was a moment that transitioned me from the point of you know pain into a point of I'm, I'm going to get through this. And just to, to make it tangible, so anyone who ever, ever goes through a circumstance like this can get some perspective from the time that you went into the hospital to the time that you left that second Arizona hospital and you now stood out of bed and you walked out of that hospital. What was the time period in that? It was, it was just, just over a week in hospital uh, stays within Arizona. I was then transferred out to California, um, closer to my family, uh, through, through an ambulance ride, and I stayed about another week in, in California. Um, so it was, it was roughly two weeks of time that I was, I was away from family. Um, I mean, from a large degree, they, they were there with me, um, but it was, it was two weeks of duration. Okay. And then throughout your recovery, I'd imagine physical therapy, check-ins, all the things necessary to help the healing post-surgery? It was, it was roughly another two months after that. My, my mother was, was, was nice enough. And I mean, she, of course, wanted to take me back into to the home that I grew up in. Um, she cleared out a room and, and bought me a bed to stay in. Uh, <laughs> so I, good, I stayed, it, it sure did. It was, it was very nice to be home and yeah. to share so much, so much more time with my family than, than I ever have within the recent years. I, I'm in New York and they're in California. So many times I don't get to see them more than two times a year. So to have every day with them for the next two months was another point where it went from, this is a, a bad situation to starting to see some of the good that was coming through. Yeah, 
Indeed. Um, now, Tanner, speak to the audience. Speak to anyone out there who is feeling pain or feeling like they don't have a support group. What, what would you say to someone who is ever in the hospital or has been unfortunately on the wrong side of a boulder? What would you say to help them? I think one of the, the most difficult things that, that I, I went through was, was being willing to accept help. I didn't want to accept help. And so if, I, if anyone's in a, a tough situation, even, even if it's not something that's physical, if it's mental or emotional, I think that the first step is accepting that you are in that situation. And then from there, reaching out to, to friends or family, even if you don't feel that you have a huge support group, express that you need help. That, that's a piece that really, it, it, it's, it's tough to do. But once you do that, it's the first step in starting to, starting your journey to recovery is being willing to accept your situation that you're in and then willing to reach out to others and ask for the help that you need. And in the same way, Chuck, I, I think if you're not in that situation, it's extremely important to reach out to your friends and family, even if they're smiling, even if they look like they're doing okay, and, and see if you can help them by any means, even if it's just checking in and, and sharing a memory with them. I think those are, those are things that in, in our society we, we struggle to do sometimes, even with the amount of social media that we have and connection that we may feel, a lot of times we can feel alone in, in this world. And I think the first step for anyone in, in that situation, a tough situation, is to reach out to others and ask for that help. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful lesson, Tanner, because even in my situation with you, you and I are in touch occasionally. I regret I had to wait for a tragedy to, to, to find you. And, and if I could do it again, I wouldn't have waited for you to get knocked out of the Grand Canyon. I would have done that naturally. But I think what happened to you, even to me, was just a great reminder forget all of the things that happen and take a moment, shut off all the machines and just tell your friends you love them. So yeah. as I thought about that and the lessons and the love that poured out, your point is a good one. We don't have to wait for an event to occur to reach out to someone, even if we don't know what they're feeling. One of the ways to do is to ask. So here we are now, Tanner, and I am incredibly blessed for your friendship. I am so glad to have been able to, like, I think I taught you something, whatever that may be. But what you have taught me, you and Katie, I want to give her a shout out because she kept me and everyone else in touch. And Katie, thank you, as you are a phenomenal communicator anyway, but you really did a, such a wonderful job in helping us to feel how Tanner felt and helping us to prompt into action anything we can do to assist. And Tanner, to watch your recovery, to me, that's watching the five years that I work with you in a classroom where you went from here to here, where you were now on the channel to realize your ambitions, because I always knew you had it in you, and it was just a joy to watch it unleash. And here we are again. You are the product of a tragic event that you are turning into triumph. And to me, there's no surprise. That's the Tanner I know and love. So thank you, Tanner, for bringing your story here. Yeah, Chuck, and, and I appreciate you and, and the, the relationship that we've had. It, it, it's, a, it's one that I'll, I'll forever value. And being able to share some of these messages out into the world, I mean, th those are things that, that are also part of the, the healing process. 
and I, and I hope that this story motivated somebody. I hope that the story inspired somebody to, to, to be the person that, that is reaching out or the person that, that does need the help to, to accept it and to move forward with their personal recovery. Yeah, and Tanner is, you know, we've known each other long enough. You know that my own mantra is the joy I have of waking up every day in the service of someone else's happiness and success. And that's why we do this show, because we're trying to reach an audience. There is so much pain out there. Look around. And then you don't have to get hit by a boulder in the Grand Canyon to know you're in pain. And how can we help alleviate that pain? So to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in as always. I'm Chuck Garcia. You have listened to A Climb to the Top Stories of Transformation. You can hear us on C-Suite, Apple, Spotify, Amazon. On my YouTube channel, please subscribe when you have an opportunity. You can follow us on Instagram and all that stuff, but that is insignificant. What matters are the people in our lives, and the love we give is the love we get. And what Tanner Force has done through the course of his life is just the kindness and generosity, his smarts, his ambition, the love, the feeling that he has in the service of other people at such a young age to me. If I've taught him that, or he didn't need, need, didn't need to learn it from me, but to watch it on display and to think that this is how he goes about his life now, I take tremendous inspiration on that. So thank you always, as always, to everyone for tuning in. And Tanner, I'm sending a virtual hug through the airwaves. Thank you so much for coming on to A Climb to the Top. Yeah, thank you, Chuck. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.